Welcome to the Sports Tech Research Podcast. We connect research-driven professionals working within the sports technology ecosystem. The show is brought to you by STRN, Sports Tech Research Network. Your host for today is Christophe de May. Hi, everyone. Welcome again in the Sports Tech Research Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Timothy Brownstone. He's the CEO and founder of a company called Camera, if I pronounce that correctly, but uh, probably Tim will do a better job. But uh, as always, good to know the person I'm talking to, first of all. So hi, Tim. Welcome to the show. Hi, Christoph. Thank you for having me. Thanks for taking uh, the time and looking forward to our chat here. Likewise. As always, uh, I ask the people I speak with to shortly introduce themselves, their background and their field of expertise. Sure. So uh, as you mentioned, I'm Tim, the founder and CEO of Chimera. Um, my academic background was actually I ended up specializing as a photobiological wound healing specialist, which in lay terms means I use specific frequencies of light, in my case, infrared light to stimulate cell growth. And my keen in area of interest was actually large surface burns and causing uh, acceleration in cellular replication repair. And then alongside my academics, I competed to either a low international level or a high national level in a number of different sports, which uh, sort of has always been a passion of mine. And uh, the company basically came from combining those two passions. Interesting and always uh, fascinating to hear a bit the story behind the, the, the start of the company. Maybe first for the listeners, could you explain a little bit what Camara is doing and also, of course, the, the technology in itself? What are we actually talking about? Absolutely. So Camara itself is a smart textiles business now. Um, so we produce both active and passive. Uh, active means with electronics, passive means no electronics involved. Uh, technologies that get built into the, the fabrics, etc., that make our clothes. And so we like to say using our technology, whether it be our infrared emitting sportswear, which I know you've uh, been putting to the test, uh, or it be some of our newer garments, which are built in with biosensing capabilities. Using them is as simple as getting dressed in the morning and then sort of the technology takes care of the rest. The bulk of the company's now almost eight years has been focused on the sale and the distribution of the infrared technology that I've mentioned a couple of times now. So that was my academic uh, research that then transferred into sports science. And the reason that we ended up here was because I was looking for a way to bring to market the medical derivations of these products. But I didn't really know how I was going to fund it. It's not cheap to bring a, a medical device to market. And so what we've ended up doing is using the sports and the medical market side by side. The technologies come through sports first. They're used by everyone from, you know, hobby athletes through to Olympians. And then that's funded and provided data into the ongoing medical research. And then, as I also alluded to, behind the scenes since 2016, we've been working on sort of what comes next for the company, which is the active portfolio of uh, technologies we're working on. Interesting. And during the podcast, as you know, we uh, we mainly talk about the world of research and science. Uh, could you elaborate a little bit on the, the research activities that you have been doing around the product portfolio? I mean, in the past, 
and maybe also explain a little bit, maybe some of the current projects that are being done or maybe even some things for the future. Sure. Um, I, I, I want to say that I've been really excited for this podcast because it's, it's rare that I get to geek out for an entire podcast. And I thought, well, this is exactly going to be that. So that's great. <laughs> so I guess if I start right from the beginning, the impetus for what became the infrared research that led to Chimera's formation was actually personally motivated. So when I was uh, 16, I'd just broken into the international 200-meter sprinting circuit, and I picked up a, a fairly serious knee injury to my left knee. I was looking for ways to accelerate my rehab because, as as you will well know, knees are tricky things to, to heal due to. And so I came across a NASA research paper where they were using infrared light to stimulate plant growth in space. Uh, there were tomatoes on the International Space Station. And I thought to myself, you know, as a 16-year-old biologist, I wonder if that will have the same effect on animal cells. And at the time, there was some preliminary research being conducted by both Harvard Med School and then some uh, institutions out in Japan that showed, yes, there were positive results uh, between 140 and 210% increases in the rate that cells were growing, repairing and replicating to heal wounds quicker. And that really kind of kick-started uh, an academic curiosity, which led to the specialty I mentioned earlier. In terms of what have we done since there was a sort of commercial intent behind things and sort of steering more to the sports science side of things, our clinical research has been in partnership a lot with a technology partner out in California. And it's typically been steered towards the individual biochemical reaction or pathway that is stimulated via exposure to infrared light. So, for example, um, activating endothelial nitric oxide synthase to produce nitric oxide, which is then a vasodilator. Um, or it's been looking into the increase in tissue oxygen levels. And so it, it's, I guess you could term each one as a marginal gain indicative of either performance or recovery acceleration. We don't have what I refer to as the golden egg figure, which is on average, how much will X, you know, what will my performance be boosted by? What will my recovery be accelerated by? And the reason for that is that we're very much a science first company. And to get a truly representative of a general population, we'd have to cover so many sports, have such a large uh, patient population that we just haven't had the resources yet to definitively give that answer. What would be the ideal use cases? Eh? Because you also uh, sent me a pair, and uh, th thanks for that, of course. I, I did some running with it, but I also explained to, to your colleague, uh, I have a water complex knee issue. My background is also in, in sports physio, so uh, I know a little bit what we're talking about. What, what would be ideal, you could say, pathologies where the technology would really be of, of, of benefit? And also related to that, of course, it's, as you, as you said at the beginning, you have the pants, it's, it's quite easy to use. It's just like your, your regular uh, trousers. Mm -hmm. How's the technology actually working? How, how can a, a textile influence the biological uh, pathways? Sure. Well, if I answer your question in reverse with the how first and then the then how do you use it? Um, so how it works is basically the technology is built into the fibers that make the arms, that make the fabrics, that make the garments. And the reason we do that is it's impossible to wash out, so it will always be there. And what happens with this particular technology is that it absorbs a broad spectrum. So it's an energy, broad spectrum energy absorber. So that could be visible light. It could be body heat coming from the body of the wearer. Um, and it converts into a very targeted region of the infrared spectrum. So if your listeners want a bit of sort of 
chemistry 101 if they can picture an atom in their head you know your classical diagram with the, the nucleus in the middle and the electron shells around the outside as a photon of visible light for example strikes the atom uh, of one of these specifically selected minerals which are encapsulated inside the uh, the fibers it causes an electron excitation which is a less stable state for the atoms to exist in and then so the electron moves back down to its original energy state and in doing so discharges a photon of infrared light within our specific uh, wavelength range and so basically what we're taking advantage of is the fact that this isn't a lossless system so you've got higher energy density going in the electron excitation and then drop down and that takes a little bit of energy out of the system extending the wavelength as they into this targeted region of the infrared spectrum which is specifically targeted for human performance in terms of like the best way to use chimera we all of our uh, technologies exist within an, e- an ecosystem which is prepare perform recover rehabilitate so whether that's medical or whether that's sports you know that transfers across one's daily life the really key area for me and which is kind of if you had to pick one of the most important areas is going to be the perform area so while you're actually exercising and the reason i say this is even if you're not looking for performance gains for example wearing it during exercise is where we can have the best results in terms of injury mitigation because we've always said there's no point in giving an athlete an extra gear if we just break them quicker. You also did some medical use cases and you also showed some some benefits more on, on, on the medical side. That's an interesting area that I uh, have been thinking and talking about a lot is that relationship between sports, health and medical, which I think are, are coming closer together. Uh, so I would also position uh, Chimera as a company who's really uh, in the middle there how, if you then look at the role of, of research for the future, what would be most valuable from a Chimera standpoint? Is it mainly validation research for different use cases to show the actual clinical benefits? Or is, do you also see new opportunities more on the infrared, in this case, technological area? Or, I mean, is that already fully in place and not really to be improved? So you're quite right. Chimera does sit between the sporting and the medical spaces. Um, And in terms of research going forwards on the sporting side, we're embarking on looking into long-term chronic adaptions uh, when using Chimera's products in exercise and recovery, etc. And then within that research, we also have an interest into whether or not exercise-induced muscle damage is being reduced when using Chimera products in exercise. Um, And the reason that we're looking into that is that, as you may well have experienced if you've been running in the the kit, when using the products, we see a consistent uh, reduction in delayed onset muscle soreness in large volume case studies, up to 25% reduction in perceived pain scores. And there is a direct uh, pain relief response that is activated through infrared light exposure. It's the same... um, uh, metabolic pathways if you were taking an, an opiate it's just not as potent but it stops soon after removing the garments and what we see is that even once the garment is removed uh, that uh, reported perceived pain scores are still lower which begs the question why are they lower and as i say the current working hypothesis is that that's because the 
cause of the pain, i.e. the muscle damage, is being reduced. And the reason for combining that with the chronic adaption research is exercise FIS 101. You exercise, you cause muscle damage, the muscles grow back stronger, etc. We anecdotally can show that the performance gains are still coming and in you know they're coming quicker but if we're achieving that mechanism with less uh, muscle damage being caused let's investigate that so on the sporting side that's the focus of the research on the medical side there's a translational aspect there with regards to helping to reduce muscle atrophy if someone becomes for example immobile i.e they're, they're bedridden for periods there's some translational research that we've looked into there with the european space agency um, for reducing muscle wastage and microgravity. And then the sort of the, the larger focus, I think, for the medical side is now applied research within specific uh, disease populations so that we can collect data coming back as part of clinical pathways when our products are being used and show effectiveness on a sort of disease-by-disease mm-hmm. disease mm-hmm. basis. I can imagine those research questions, they come from feedback from the users on the one hand, of course, uh, the internal strategy of, of, of the company, of course, as well. For sure, with the medical studies, it's often difficult to have the funding uh, to do those long, long-term type of studies. How do you manage that as, as a company? Are you applying for grants here or there? Uh, is it more like bilateral agreements that you have with uh, academic institutions? Are you doing a lot of studies yourself internally from within the company? Or how do you try to accomplish those uh, objectives? So the answer is both. We've been lucky that we've achieved uh, just north of in euros, I think it'd be about 2.8 million euros in uh, grant funding. That's mostly gone towards the development of our newer active technologies. Uh, With regards to the infrared research, that's mostly either funded in collaboration with, for example, our technology partner that I mentioned, or we're very lucky that we produce technologies that are interesting and it's it's an area of science and physiology that's still being explored. And so in many cases, we will have researchers coming to us, whether that be for a master's, postdoc, PhD, with study propositions. And we'll look to do some sort of bilateral research agreement whereby we're supplying product at very least. In some cases, maybe we're also co-sponsoring said research to, to happen. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful for the fact that we have a technology that people are interested in and it, it, it works. So, so therefore, there's some interesting research that comes out of it because it does make things easier. Then, then the interest from the academic world is, uh, is a bit higher, of course, if you already have that uh, track record, so to say. Absolutely. And we stay engaged with with academia. Our, our CTO, Phil, he's, he's just finished a, a PhD actually in wireless tra- power transfer for our active technologies. You know, we at our hearts are a company of largely scientists, academics, and we may have put a corporate hat on in, in my sense, but uh, we, we definitely haven't left the science behind. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't really talk about the active technologies and we probably don't have the time here to go into all of the details. But just for our listeners, what are those products uh, about? It's not about the infrared and, and recovery strategies and, and, and so on, but maybe you could shortly explain. Sure. So the active technologies are basically, they fall into two different categories that could be applied in a, a sports science sense. One is uh, biomedical monitoring so medical grade uh, ECG slash EKG, depending on your region, um, respiration sensing, uh, basic movement telemetry, 
pulse oximetry, etc., uh, all built into a garment. So again, you put it on, it starts working. You don't need to interact with it in any way. And that, that's basically combining what would otherwise be maybe four or five different current wearables. So for example, if you wanted to even get close to something like this, you'd be looking at uh, using, for example, a heart rate strap. You'd be looking at using a smartwatch to get the, the PPG pulse oximetry. You'd be looking at wearing some uh, a catapult or stats connects on unit, for example, for position tracking. Um, and we're just basically combining all of those into a single device. And the benefit there is you can contextualize the data. Um, and then the second area is biomechanical assessment. So within there, we have um, IMU constellations. So that's each IMU is an accelerometer, a gyroscope, a magnetometer. And we create a constellation, which is a minimum of a single node per limb segment. And from that, we can give um, biomechanical assessment features such as dynamic acceleration, joint angles, etc., to the same sort of accuracy that you'd be getting from a really high-end motion capture rig but you're not limited to being in a lab to use it. You can be anywhere in the world. So you could be sat at your desk and I could be running through London and you could be doing an, an assessment on my, my my running stride as I'm going. Those can be combined into one sort of all-powerful singing, all-dancing product, uh, but obviously the having that level of technology in there, the, sort of the price levels uh, then, then go up. Interesting. Another question that I always ask, and I can imagine for sure with a company as yours, with a, um, a diverse product portfolio and, and both in the textile area as, as in the sensor area, and I can imagine also in, in the software area to make those data available and, and, and the features available to the end user. Building that science-based company, what are or have been the critical hurdles, the challenges to, to overcome or otherwise stated? What, what were the success factors? We could also talk about that, of course. I think that initially and uh, very much on the infrared side, one of the key hurdles was the communication of the technology. And so when I first set up the business, I was very much still the scientist. Our About Us page was a, a literature review. And it was great for people that were educated and had the curiosity to go and look at that level of, of information, but it alienated 90% of our potential customers. And so getting to the right level, which for us, it's a case of we will still use maybe larger, complicated words, but it's then explaining in, in lay terms, what does that mean? So for example, uh, cytochrome C oxidase, which is a transmembrane protein in our mitochondria, where infrared has a a relationship with in terms of its interactions we explain what do cytochrome c oxidase do rather than just dumping it um, we want to be able to cover our bases so that for example if you were looking through the science page you're satisfied and you know it's it's fully referenced you can go and read all 20 of the the reference papers there through to someone who doesn't need a biology degree or doesn't need any you know there's a, a rudimentary understanding of i'm going running three times a week and I want to understand what's happening to me when I use your products. Uh, all right. So, so that has been one I can, I can imagine. Or, or any others you are thinking about? I would say that on the, the newer research with the active technologies, we got a little bit sidelined by doing innovation because it was cool and, you know, because we could. And so over the last 12 months, we've been going from a, a very rapid expansion in terms of the sensor and feature portfolio that we could offer in these new products and trying to refine those back into, well, 
what are going to be actual demonstrable products at the end of this because it's one thing that right now for example we have relationships with universities around the world who say to us we want this garment with these sensors can you make it and you know invariably the answer is yes but in terms of having a commercializable product it needs to be more off the shelf and so we'll always look to el- to allow for an element of customization but we can't commercialize customization like that and so it's kind of been taking that scientific and engineering hat off and putting the um putting the commercial one back on to say what are the products that we're going to bring to market over the next 12 18 months how are we going to do it and that's been you know i cite that as a hurdle because it's if we hadn't done that process we'd be another 12 months down the line and we may not have brought one of these new products to market because we were just innovating and at some point innovation needs to go into product development and then you know you need to bring those products out because you know we're not an academic institution we're not a charity and we need to you know we need to pay the bills yeah yeah correct is it a, an official spin-off in fact uh, the company or did you started the company after your phd so I actually turned the uh, the PhD down to start the company. Uh, okay, that's the story behind it. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. and ev- everything that I was uh, working on that factors into the company was in parallel to to my degree. So it's uh, it was just me on my own to start things. It wasn't an official sort of university spin out, but the University of Reading, which is where I did my undergraduate degree, had been very good in sort of supporting the company's development uh, through sort of incubation and office space. Um, and you know it's it's a two-way transaction i now i'm a, a visiting fellow for the business school so i do guest lectures each year etc so it so it, it as i say we, we've stayed rooted in in academia and we do a lot of academic partnerships now with as i say with different universities around the world to stay at the cutting edge of our research interesting all right next topic that i wanted to touch upon uh, has to deal with interdisciplinarity and cross-industry innovation as, as they call it meaning input from different academic fields but also of course different types of uh, of industries uh, other stakeholders in both directions, I can imagine the products are uh, applicable, as we already discussed, for a high variety of use cases. On the other hand, I can also imagine you can get very interesting input from other sectors where similar technologies are used for maybe totally different use cases. Any thoughts on that uh, interdisciplinary innovation aspect? Uh, yes, it's it's sort of at the core of what we do, and we've already spoken about how sports and medical go side by side, but for us, you know, it's it's hard to imagine any walk of life, whether you're in the developed world or whether you're in a, a, a jungle in Papua New Guinea, for example, where textiles don't feature in everybody's daily life, whether that's the clothes we wear, the curtains, the, the, the carpet on the floor. Um, and so by the nature of the industry we've ended up in, in this smart textiles, it means that our technologies can be transferred and applied in many different settings. In terms of areas where we have sort of collaborative research or where are we looking for new and interesting insights, whether that be us providing into or research coming from, um, I've already mentioned space exploration. It's not a hugely commercially viable sector for us right now. There's maybe 12 people in space at any one time, if that. But the inter- the, the research there is is fascinating. And, you know, certainly the European Space Agency, the Canadian, the uh, NASA, et cetera, a lot of their research, they're looking for translational applications. How can we take what's done in space and apply it to 
terrestrial Earth-based applications. So we take a lot of two-way input there. Um, and then in different areas, I say between the sports and the medical uh, communities, where possible, we'll be looking into that sort of translational research. So whether that be tying back into my academic origins within wound healing, or whether that be taking something that's is exercise physiology research, but then it's applying it to a general population for a medical or a, a general health. Another area that I'm thinking about is the industry, the manufacturing world, the, the ergonomic aspects of it. Did you also feel interest from that that area already? We, we have had interest. Um, it's not been strong enough that we've dedicated sort of a, a team to, to, to pushing it forward. I say not strong enough. The interest is strong, but the current commercial opportunity requires some more some more relationship building how large is the team in fact uh, the team's now 20 people uh, 11 of whom are engineers which are both hardware software and then the, the rest of the business is you know the, the commercial and operations uh, side of things um, and the i think the thing that we have to be conscious of when it comes to ergonomic applications or uh, sort of when you say manufacturing and industrial applications with the new biosensors, there's a lot of sort of tracking capabilities. And so, for example, we had one of the uh, telecoms companies who were interested in a smart chair that was monitoring um, sort of the, the basic vital signs of a user sat in the chair and then using our infrared technology to help with reducing backache, etc. And we said, we'll do the infrared chairs, but ethically, we're not sure if it's right to have a chair that monitors if someone sat in it or not. Because what are you going to do with that data? We don't want to be responsible for any discrimination because someone's not sat in their chair as often as you would like. Obviously, with with the pandemic, that's you know, blown out of the water anyway. But like with all new technologies, it's there's more than just the sort of the commercial aspect to consider. It's the the ethical and the moral implications. Interesting. So many options for what they call open innovation, but indeed it should fit with the strategy of the company and also with, with ethical and, and other aspects. Well, we're, we're interested. Ultimately, what we care about is the impact of our technologies. How many lives can we save? How many lives can we improve? And if someone wants to come to us and say, I don't know, for example, a, a stroke forecasting team, and they want to say, we think we could use your technology to predict strokes, we would say, fantastic, we'll help you in any way we can because we don't have the capacity internally to focus on that particular you know, acute condition. Whereas if you have a team that can do it, we will provide the technology aspect in one area, which typically would be the hardware, and then you guys focus on the software and we'll partner like that. Interesting. And also great to hear a little bit about the values of the company and let's say the mission uh, in the end, like the why. Our mission is to save 1 million lives by 2030. That's, uh, that's our goal. Uh, that, that's, that's awesome to make it that uh, tangible. Right. Thanks, Tim. We, I think, have a better view now on what you have been doing. Interesting story as well, uh, going from, from science into uh, something commercial, but in the end still closely involved with uh, the academic world. Anything that we missed or you would like to add I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear about your story from, you know, you, you spoke earlier, mentioned your, your knee injury, and I know that you've been uh, using the leggings to, to help with that. So I'd love to hear from you how you've been getting on with it. Long story short, uh, uh, yeah, you mean about the injury? I mean, the injury has been there for, for, for a long time. Uh, it's a quite complex one. It's, uh, it's pain behind the fibula, and it has to do with uh, frequent impact. So I, I need to switch from 
uh, running to swimming and cycling and see what that, uh, what that is offering in terms of pain reduction. And have our leggings helped you with, with maintaining the running at least? I also emailed uh, your colleague. I mean, from a subjective point of view, yes. And I think for some time it was, uh, it was going good. But also, I think it would be really, let's say, really strange as well that, that uh, a lagging could really fit it for 100%. Yes, absolutely. It's a really key thing for us, especially when we're working with uh, physiotherapists or osteopaths, for example, that as you've experienced, there is a, you will feel better and when you're going through a, certainly a, a rehabilitation pathway or chronic management, for example, we, we always make sure that it's communicated. This is not a silver bullet. It's not a magic cure. If you're being advised to stop running and to cycle instead, you should still do that. It's just we will help with either that chronic management or we'll help with the rehabilitation. But it doesn't mean that we're just fixing everything, especially an athlete. You know, we, we all want to get back out on the track as soon as we can or whatever our discipline may be. We want to be back doing mm-hmm. what we love. And so it's it's really important that, if, for example, you know, physio, physiotherapy says only walk five kilometers a day. Just because you feel better doesn't mean you can go and run a half marathon. It's still stay within the advice from your physician, your clinician, whomever it may be that you're working with and build us into that pathway. Don't just think, okay, I've got my chimera pants, for example, and everything's fixed. Yeah, in the end, of course, you could do a lot of signs, but uh, as you also know, there are so many factors involved in those type of injuries, and it's still uh, an art to combine the right products and the right strategies uh, for particular individuals. So, uh, Absolutely. And your products could be uh, definitely be part of that, of course. Awesome. All right. I want to finish with a final question that I ask the uh, people from the industry that I'm interviewing and that's uh, besides your own products, of course, are there any other technologies or other products out there that you really like and also would like to hear why is that? Sure. So, I mean, yes, as you can probably expect, I'm quite a, a tech head. I love having different devices. Um, right now, our heart rate monitors, for example, aren't, aren't available. I would be using a, a chest-mounted heart rate strap, so I use a Whoop band when I'm training. Um in terms of general life, one thing I'm really excited about is, um, I don't know if you've heard of the company Cocoon, they're, they're a sleep science company, and they're releasing a new um, low profile uh, headphone for sleep monitoring, for helping with sleep. And when, when, not right now, but when I'm traveling a lot for work, obviously sleep can be very disrupted. So I'm quite looking forward to um, back that through a Kickstarter campaign. And it's quite often that I'm backing things on Kickstarter. Interesting area and a, and a hot topic as well, of course, uh, both in the scientific world as uh, uh, in the real world, so to say. Absolutely. And I, I fully intend to, to use them for some, uh, some N of 1 experimentation because we've had a lot of uh, sleep data anecdotally from case studies uh, with using the Chimera infrared products. And so I'll, I'll be interested to monitor my own sleep with uh, sleeping in Chimera versus not, etc. Cool. All right. This is it. Thanks, uh, Tim, for all of your insights. Great story, great products, and great link between your company, the application side in the field, and uh, the academic world. So uh, also with the Sports Tech Research Network. Well, that, that's the area that we're in. So thanks again. Thank you for having me. And you know, uh, for anyone that's uh, listening, obviously you can't see as Christoph can me on the camera, but I have a huge smile on my face because I've I've loved having a, having a chat with you today. And uh, I, again, love what the uh, Sports Tech 
research network is, is facilitating and um, keen to stay involved as much as we can. That's awesome. Uh, thanks again, uh, Tim, for the nice words and for the uh, interesting chat that we uh, just had. Likewise. To you listening, thanks, of course, as well. We hope it was insightful. Uh, we always bring a bit a variety of topics, of course, but uh, as you already know, the essence of, uh, of what we do is about the world of research in, in sports and technology. Feel free to reach out, of course, and let us know how, how we could uh, help you as well with your uh, research and innovation objectives. See you soon and have a nice day. Bye-bye. This was a Sports Tech Research Podcast. Podcast presented to you by STRN, an initiative of Ghent University. Did you like this episode? Make sure to check out our website, strn.co, and let's get in touch.